What is up, ambitious listeners? Monster episode coming at you today with two distinguished, well-versed, incredible Penn State alumni in Ross and Jared, the hosts of the Lion Legacy podcast, where they talk to some other incredibly distinguished, fantastic Penn State alumni. They talk a lot about their Penn State experiences, give a ton of advice for listeners from all walks of life, really, and swap some stories, give some really fun little tidbits, and we really just have a great conversation. So it was one of my favorite episodes I've done in a long time. These two are two incredibly nice, generous, fantastic human beings, and it's going to be a great, great episode to listen to, and all of that is coming at you after a quick word from our presenting sponsor. You know them. You love them. Liquid IV. Ambitious with Dylan Price is presented by Liquid IV. Liquid IV helps you have superior hydration and energy by multiplying energy and hydration with just one little packet. These packets just get poured into a bottle of water, you shake it on up, and there you go. I start my day every single day with Liquid IV. My favorite flavor is lemon ginger, but there's also lemon ginger, passion fruit, um, acai berry, and limited edition pear flavor they just came out with. There's also some other really cool flavors you can find on the Liquid IV website or in your local stores like Walmart, CVS, Kroger, Walgreens, all of the above. It's a good-for-you supplement that I use all the time. It helps fuel my lifestyle, and I am incredibly thankful for Liquid IV for sponsoring this podcast, and they're an absolute fantastic top-of-the-line hydration supplement. So go out, get yourself some Liquid IV, and fuel life's adventures. Now, back to the show. What is up, and welcome to Ambitious with Dylan Price. I am Dylan Price, and joined alongside two fantastic guests this week. They are the hosts of the Lion Legacy Podcast, one of the best podcasts out there right now, talking to some incredible Penn State alumni. If you're a Penn State alumni, Penn State fan, Penn State student, this is a must-listen. This will give you some really good information, get to hear some really cool people tell their stories. It's a fantastic podcast, and these are two fantastic individuals, one one of the two joining us is Jared Melzer. He's the Director of Strategic Partnerships at LabCorp. And on the other side, it is Ross Weisbrot. Oh, Weisbrot. Oh, crud. That's fine. No, Weisbrot's good, too. Right. Either way. I, it, it, yeah, either way is fine. All right. Well, he is a fantastic human. He's the Commercial Operations Leader for GE Healthcare, doing some fantastic stuff, both of you guys. And it is an absolute privilege to have you guys on. So really excited to start this off. But first off, how are you guys doing? Good. <laughs> Dylan, thanks for having us. Appreciate uh, being here. Well, I'm sorry about the we butcher the last ta- name. <laughs> we were just talking before, you know, it's usually us on the other side. So uh, it's nice to turn the tables. Well, it'll be a learning curve a little bit. This is actually the first time Ambitious has had two guests in one episode, so this is going to be fun. But if there was ever a tandem to do it with, I think it has to be you two because what you guys are doing with Lion Legacy is fantastic, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But first, I kind of want to hear your guys' story. How did you guys meet and become friends? Obviously, you know, the university that we all share in common kind of had something to do with it. But what is the story there on how you guys became friends? Yeah, we uh, we actually both lived in McKean Hall, so East Hall is our freshman year. Got to go all the way back to uh, the year 2000 um, before there was a Facebook or a Twitter or Instagram, which is just crazy to think about. And I met uh, a girl by the name of Jess, who is now currently Ross's wife. Why is he currently? <laughs> Currently, yes. Currently. As as if there's going to be a different one in the future. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. So uh, 
I met Jess at an event. Ross met Jess at an event, and we all lived in uh, in McKean Hall together. Ross was on the the first floor. I was on the third floor, uh, and I believe Jess was on the fourth floor. If I got yep. that correct, correct. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, we we all became really fast friends. You know, that first uh, semester freshman year, and I feel really, really fortunate, you know, that I found a, a close-knit group of people really early on in, in my college career. And it just so happened to be that we all lived together. And, you know, years later, uh, Jess and Ross got married. They now have two kids. I'm, I'm actually giving Ross Yeah, you're giving Ross you're, you're, you're jumping away. into my story, Jerry. <laughs> but, uh, but it's been amazing. I mean, to think that we've known each other uh, 22 years is, is, is mind-boggling. I mean, that's kind of the great part about it. You know, as Jared mentioned, you know, we met freshman year, which is now, what, t almost tw uh, 22 years ago, which is crazy to say. Um, but the fact is, you know, we, we built up a great uh, group of friends from Penn State, um, many of whom are still very close, including Jared and I. But also what's nice is that Jared knows my wife as long as I've known her. And so it's like not only, you know, do we view, you know, do I view Jared as a very good buddy, but he's also a good friend. Uh, of my wife. So that's just, you know, it, it kind of adds the icing on the cake. Um, but, you know, and even though Jared and I have not lived in the same spot, um, you know, all that much in the last 22 years, our, our friendship has still been strong, uh, you know, and probably even just even stronger now that we get to chat with each other and, and other great Penn State guests on Lion Legacy, um, you know, every so often. That's a really, really cool story and very cool how just an interaction like that, living together and meeting at an event has now spawned just incredible lives for you guys. You, Ross, meeting the love of your life and Jared and you guys having friends for life. So fantastic story. And now kind of diving into your guys' Penn State experience, uh, I'll start with you, Ross. What were you involved in at Penn State and how was your overall Penn State experience? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I mean, I, I kind of, you know, I was the guy, the kid, right? And I'll go kid I, I was the kid back in high school that visited you know 10th grade visited, first step foot in, in state college and I, on university park campus i said this is where i need to be and you know then it was just biding my time working my way you know working hard through high school and you know getting in and it was like yep this is where i'm going and i just i love my experience i love the campus i loved all the options and things to be involved with um you know one of the big things i was involved with was lion ambassadors um, you know, Line Ambassador class of 2002, uh, it was a great experience, met a lot of awesome people there, um, and, you know, had a kind of a different appreciation for the university having been involved with that organization. Um, you know, just the, really appreciating the tradition uh, and everything the university stands for. Um, you know, and then just, uh, I get just it, taking advantage of everything it has to offer, right? Making the campus a little smaller through my classes, group of friends, um, you know, that organization uh, and also, you know, the athletics and, and everything kind of make it a little bigger, right? As far as, you know, going to the football games, the basketball games and everything else and, you know, supporting Thon and what have you. So I, I, I loved it. I, I was obviously like many other alums bummed to leave after, after four years, but I really appreciate having that experience and, you know, and, and kind of extending it through the alumni network uh, from graduation up until now. That's awesome. Jared, how about you? How was your Penn State experience and what were you involved in there? Yeah, equally uh, amazing. You know, I, I just to talk about from a Ross perspective, he, he went on how he, you know, he found Penn State and fell in love with it. Penn State was really never on my radar, quite honestly. Uh, my sister's boyfriend at the time, currently husband, um, 
went to Penn State and he said, hey, you know, come up for a weekend. I grew up in New York City in Queens and uh, I went up there and I only needed to visit one school and that was it. I was sold just based on a feeling. The community of Penn State was something that was missing in my high school experience, pretty much my entire childhood experience. And I found uh, a great community that one weekend. And then I got, you know, to Penn State and, and fortunate, you know, to really be very focused on trying to take advantage as, as much as possible. Um, I was a kinesiology major. However, I didn't really go into the, the study of, of human movement from a professional standpoint. But, you know, I was interning at Penn State Athletics. Uh, I was uh, an active leader in the kinesiology club. I was part of the Penn State Hockey Management Association. I put on the Kines 5K, um, was doing research uh, as well. So I think as, you know, as an important, it's, it, as important it is to do well in the classroom, it's even more important to, you know, find activities outside of the classroom and, and really get some great experiences. And I think Ross and I and many others have done a really nice job of, of kind of going beyond the, the four walls of a classroom and taking advantage of, of everything that Penn State has to offer. That's some fantastic advice, actually, for anybody listening who's a student at Penn State or really any school. But you use two prime examples of people who got involved and made a school like Penn State that's one of the biggest in the country, one a lot smaller and a lot really made your experience a lot better. So really cool to hear that. And you mentioned, you know, your profession now, Jared. Can you talk a little bit about what you do now and really what your experience has been post Penn State in the workforce and the career you are in yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's been quite a journey, um, quite honestly, and I've held a number of different positions in, in a number of different industries. Um, I've always had a passion for, for sports business, um, or I should say I actually found my passion for sports business thanks to Penn State. Um, and after graduating Penn State, I went on to the University of Texas in Austin, got a degree in sport business, um, and in between my first and second summer, uh, or I should say in between my first and second year um, during that summer, I took an internship with a famous cyclist by the name of Lance Armstrong. Um, and that internship actually turned into a full-time job. So anyone who's listening that thinks an internship is just an internship, uh, actually it could be a lot more. And for me, this was kind of a stepping stone uh, into the sports business and marketing industry. Uh, ended up getting a full-time job with Lance and a cycling team, managing marketing, sponsorship, hospitality. Uh, did that for seven years. Uh, about three of those years, I actually lived in Madrid, Spain. Um, and then after a time, realized, okay, it was time to come back. Uh, I had a real passion for sports sponsorships, uh, but I decided to go from the team side to uh, the brand side uh, and took a role with Farmers Insurance, moved out to Los Angeles, uh, which was a great experience going to the West Coast uh, and managed a number of farmer sponsorship programs, including a NASCAR sponsorship uh, for any golf fans, the PGA tournament and Ricky Fowler. And then after three and a half years said, OK, I'm up for the next challenge and moved to Philadelphia, a lot closer to Ross and took a position at a technology company, also leading uh, sports sponsorships there. Uh, in racing again, but it was Formula E, electric car racing, uh, international sport, very new sport. Um, 
and really kind of develop that role into more of a partnership role, brand to brand uh, partnerships. And then from there, um, ended up getting laid off during the pandemic, quite honestly, and, uh, you know, was on the hunt. And uh, my former CMO from TE Connectivity called me up one day and she said, hey, I've got a, a great position here at LabCorp, uh, leading strategic partnerships. And uh, I said, yeah, great. You know, no, another industry, uh, healthcare and another challenge. But I bring that up because, you know, the connections that I made over the course of my career have allowed me to kind of take on new positions. And I've always believed that, you know, I may not have an exact plan, but I have a direction, um, you know, for my career. And I want to make sure that I'm always growing in that career. But when I look back, if I had a specific plan, I never probably would have taken a job in the cycling industry. I never would have moved to Spain, but really just kind of being flexible and taking opportunities as they come along really has allowed me to um, experience many different things, which I'm extremely grateful for. That really is another fantastic piece of advice that you, you had your goal, but the path took you in so many different directions. So that's very cool. Farmers Insurance, were you working with Casey Kane? I was working very closely with Casey Kane and um, cool. ended up going to about 50 NASCAR races. Wow. Uh, prior to that, never, never went to a NASCAR race in my life. Uh, and obviously have a, a great deal of respect and appreciation for the sport. Uh, funny enough, uh, the CFO, Chief Financial Officer at the time, at Farmers Insurance, was uh, a Penn Stater. And as many people do, right, they submit their application in the portal, the job portal, and they just wait. I did some research. I figured out he was a Penn Stater. Uh, and I sent him a blind email. Hey, you don't know me. This is just random. We have, What we have in common is Penn State. I'm just hoping that you could forward my resume to the hiring manager so I can at least stand out from the quote unquote resume pile. And he wrote back within an hour and said, you got it. I already forwarded it to the hiring manager and the rest is history. So once again, just talks, you know, talks about the, the power of the Penn State community and network right there. That's a really cool story. Did you have a favorite NASCAR track? Um, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a city guy, um, so <laughs> I prefer like Phoenix or or Las Vegas. But you know, certainly going to the Daytona 500, Talladega, right? Those are just you know bucket list experiences. Um, and it's the great thing I think about NASCAR is every track's unique, not only from the track itself, but the overall experience. So great deal of appreciation for that sport. Are, are you a, are you a NASCAR fan? Yeah. If you can tell a little bit, a little bit of a NASCAR okay. fan. <laughs> Who, who's, who's your driver? Uh, right now that would be Chase Elliott. Uh, actually got a chance sure. to do some content with him for this podcast over the summer at Watkins Glen. And that was one of the coolest experiences probably of my life so far. Fantastic. So. I've been to Watkins Glen as well, so I know it well. But big NASCAR guy here, Ambitious is a big NASCAR podcast at points. But Ross, how about you? What has your career experience been like? And yeah. right now you're at GE, also in the healthcare industry. What was your journey like post Penn State? And now kind of, could you talk about what your role is today? Sure. So just to walk you through, I guess, my resume. So I, I was a finance major at Penn State, minor in economics. And I was fortunate to be able to land a job uh, spring semester of my senior year. So I had something lined up before I graduated, which was awesome. Uh, you know, I get another testament to Penn State. Uh, my first job out of school was with IBM. 
IBM, you know, was heavily recruited at Penn State. They had some folks there in, I guess, February of my senior year and, you know, landed a role. And, and I also want to give a quick plug here for the finance majors, right? For the, you know, for the finance majors, right? The, the curriculum is very heavy on investments. And I kind of learned very quickly, it was like, hey, Wall Street is not for me, right? Wall Street's great. A lot of people that I went to, had in class that went on to great investment jobs in New York City wasn't something I wanted to do. IBM, IBM came in and said, hey, we've got a role in what's called FP&A, financial planning and analysis. And so they said, do you like business? Yep. You like math? Yep. You like problem solving? Yep. All right. And you've got a finance degree. You can do this. I said, sure. Sounds great. Let's do it. So I landed a job, started off my career at IBM, which was awesome. You know, I was there for just a couple of years and then took on another FP&A role at a consumer goods company in New York uh, called Cody. It's a fragrance and cosmetics manufacturer. So that was kind of cool to be in the, in the consumer goods world with a company that was selling into Target and Walmart and all the big guys. Was there for a little bit and then uh, decided to, I, while I was in New York, uh, my, you know, Jessica, as mentioned earlier, we got married. We decided, all right, New York was great, but it's not forever for us. And so for, we just wanted to move eventually back to Philadelphia where the family was. Came back to Philadelphia and I landed a role with uh, Teva Pharmaceuticals. Teva is the uh, historically generic pharmaceutical manufacturer headquartered in Israel. And they had a big presence at the time in Philadelphia. So I took on a finance role with Teva and ended up being there in a, in a variety of finance roles for about 10 years. So it was a great company, you know, great company, really enjoyed it, learned a ton about the pharmaceutical industry, uh, you know, both in the generic side and the brand side, the numbers, what goes into it, all the regulations. I worked with some of the lawyers for a time. So I kind of learned a little bit about intellectual property. It's kind of one of these things where you didn't, you know, being involved with the numbers, you kind of learn a lot on the periphery. And after that, I had a short stint with a travel company, which didn't last too long because that led right up to the pandemic. Um, and then, but that, you know, kind of bad things turned into good, offered me an opportunity to shift over to GE. So GE Healthcare at the time, uh, this was all summer of 2020, was going through a transformation and they came up with this regional structure um, for their U.S. business, and they were setting up a regional hub for the Northeast United States in Philadelphia. And so I kind of did a little bit of a pivot into what's called commercial operations, which essentially is, you know, it's a, it's a, a kind of, I guess, another word for sales operations. But what I like about it is that I'm still tethered to the numbers. You know, I'm still working on various elements of forecasting uh, on a revenue side, top line, supporting salespeople, but also getting into manufacturing processes, inventory, and kind of these other elements of business that I hadn't really touched too much when I was in my finance roles. So that turned out to be a very um, fortuitous move for me. Um, I've been with GE now, I guess it's about a year and a half. Um, it's been a great opportunity working with their, you know, the, the ultrasound business, selling ultrasound equipment um, into various, you know, hospitals and other clinical clinicians. Um, and now I'm actually taking on a role with our imaging, which is the larger systems, MRIs, CT scans, bigger equipment you might find in hospitals and other imaging centers. So it's cool to learn that business. You know, that's something that's, um, you know, companies doing very well, thank goodness. Uh, GE's, you know, healthcare is one of those that are spinning off in 2023 from the larger GE conglomerate. So that'll be exciting in the, in the year to come. Um, so yeah, so, you know, largely finance background, pivot into com ops and uh, all told it's been a little, I guess, less of a zig and a zag, but uh, it's been good, good experience nonetheless. So between the pharmaceutical industry and then also working for GE Healthcare, how has it been, I guess, navigating the pandemic from a industry standpoint and specifically kind of how you've had to deal with some of the adversity as well? 
Yeah. So, well, I actually left the uh, Teva before the pandemic started. Okay. So, so I wasn't there for uh, during that time. But I would say, in for for me, you know, I guess the biggest change was just you know t- starting a new role virtually. Um, you know, I had always been you know just like many people in the office five days a week. Started a job where I never even met my boss in person until I'd been you know there for four months, um, and was largely you know sitting in my in my basement in front of the computer like I am you know chatting with you guys here right now. Um, so that I guess was a big challenge, just being able to build the relationships. Um, I'm a big people person. I like to, you know, I was the guy in the office that would kind of come by and ask you the question in person rather than sending an email because I want to make sure that you know my face and we can build that rapport. Um, and so I think that was a little bit of a challenge, something I had to get used to through the first, you know, six to say six months to a, nine months a year. Um, and now something I'm, I'm obviously and like many people used to a bit more. Um, but that was a challenge, I would say. And Within the industry itself, I mean, I think for uh, more so for our salespeople that I support, you know, they were used to being in the hospitals, working with doctors to sell equipment in, and they all had to learn how to do that, you know, from home, doing virtual demos and virtual sales. And 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 I think everybody adapts just like others in different industries. And, uh, you know, you'll just learn to wait, uh, learn how to make it work. Man, I feel like I've heard that word adapt so much in the last two yeah, years. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, at the risk of sounding cliche, I think that was probably the best choice of words, though. <laughs> yeah, so it definitely sounds like it uh, was a big adapting process for you guys and really for sure. a lot of people going through the virtual transition. But in talking more about your experiences with career with Penn State and even before that, I know, Jared, you talked a little bit about your high school and about the community there. And that was something you and I talked about kind of relating to. And Ross, I'm not necessarily sure how your high school experience was, but in reflecting on, I guess, all of really your stages of life to this point, uh, I'll start with this question and then go to uh, the follow up question. But if you had to look back and there was something you could learn from or maybe would have done different, maybe I don't even want to use the word regret because I don't really like that word, but uh, something maybe you would change about your journey to this point in life and uh, whoever can start. Gotta think about that for a second. <laughs> yeah, I mean, me too. <laughs> I don't know. Is it terrible to say I don't know that I would change much? I mean, I'm sure I could go back and like make different tweaks, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think. Um, you know, on the one hand, like I spent, I spent a good part of my twenties, my, my kind of my immediate post Penn State career in New York City, which I would, I didn't, I wouldn't trade that in for anything. Um, you know, I think it might have been fun to, you know, maybe like Jared had a chance to bop around, right? Jared lived in four different time zones if you were keeping track from before. Um, you know, I, I, maybe what I, if it would have been fun to have an opportunity to live in maybe one more city before I came back to Philadelphia. You know, but again, I, I, I don't necessarily say I would regret that, um, you know, but it may have been fun to kind of live somewhere else, you know, for like a hot minute in like the, you know, maybe when I was a few years into living in New York, you know, my wife and I were like, oh, maybe we just move to California, like live out there for a couple of years. And I think that thought crossed our mind and, you know, but we were afraid that if we had moved out there, we would never come back. So we didn't even want to tempt ourselves, but I, that's probably the closest thing I can think of. But I, I don't know. I'm not a big regret guy, you know, take that for what it is. But I, I, I like to just, you know, live by my choices and, and, you know, make the best of it. That's a very good perspective. I, I wouldn't say a regret by any means, but I think, you know, one of the things I've learned and I think I've known it for quite some time, but 
putting it in action is a little bit different is to always be building relationships and doing it more and more with people that you don't know or you know don't have a relationship and i think that's something i could have done better in my career especially earlier on um i think i was kind of the guy that's like i'm going to put my head down and work really hard and my work is going to show in that regard and i did work hard and i think my work did show um for itself but i think i should have been better at building those relationships and going out there and proactively creating connections and kind of building the quote unquote network um and that's something i look back and i think i you know it could have could have spent a little bit more time on uh earlier on in my career and something i think i've gotten better uh over you know the past two years that's a very good answer. Now, I'll I'll build on that. I, in fact, I'll second that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I did the same thing. I mean, I I was not good at networking mm-hmm. earlier in my career. You know, I kind of I, I maybe took it for granted, and you know, I had the people I worked with. I had the people I had worked with in a previous job, and um, you know, but but there was a point when I felt like my network outside of the people I had, you know, my current and former colleagues was a little bit thin. And, you know, I think I, that kind of bit me a little bit at a time. And, but then I, I had to work hard to make up for it. So I certainly would agree with Jared. I think you have to be building those relationships with people that are outside of your immediate bubble, you know, and, and kind of reach, find people, um, you know, for the professionals out there, the working professionals, find people that are in your industry that maybe work in a different company, right? Maybe they're in your immediate area, right? You can limit it to that. Like if you live in, like I live in Philadelphia. And for a time I was, you know, I was like, you know what, I need to find more people to work in corporate finance that are in the Philadelphia area. And I, you know, reached out to people, started building relationships, and that was something that I had lacked before. So I think it's certainly important to have those relationships, people that are outside of, you know, just your friends and family and former colleagues. And unfortunately, we focus on networking when we're in a position where we need to network, right? And the the trick is, I think, to do it right when you don't quote unquote need to do it and that's like hey how do you just go out and say i'm going to try to meet someone new in a professional sense every single week regardless hey you saw something that you liked you want to learn from them there's no no ask of them at that point just to hey build a relationship and then try to keep up with them you know every quarter or so or half a year and and check back in and you know i think that's one of the things you don't learn or they don't teach you maybe in in college right or any point is like business is done people to people right like this is where connections and business or should i should say business is made through people as much as we rely and talk about you know digital and AI and machine learning, I look back on it and the success that I've had has been about working with people and building those relationships. One of the best pieces of advice I think I've gotten so far, actually 
um, before I came to Penn State was there's going to be more deals done at the dinner table and on the golf course than in a boardroom because the value of a person-to-person relationship will always supersede one of those kind of settings in a negotiation kind of environment. And I think you both kind of hit the nail on that head. And also, I, I really liked what you said. Um, actually, both of you said this about maintaining the relationship as well because I think it's so important that I, I know myself is probably guilty of this and so many people are probably guilty of the fact that, okay, I need a job. Now let's go to those resources. But one of the things actually Penn State has taught me is you go to your resources to wish them a happy birthday. You wish them Merry Christmas, not just, hey, oh, I'm looking for this job right now or this internship. So I think that was a really good message that you guys just put out there to everybody. So thank you guys both on that regard. And so on the flip side here, I asked about regrets, but I want to know in everything you guys have accomplished in this life, personally, professionally, um, what has been your fondest memory? And Ross, you started last time. So Jared, I'll put you on the hot seat this time and give Ross a little more time to think. Yeah, my fondest memory, you know, it's a, it's a great question. And, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to attend a lot of sports events and, you know, kind of see some amazing feats. Uh, but I would actually say, as I look back, it will, goes back to kind of accomplishing things with other people. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's about kind of a team of marketers coming together to impact the lives of consumers or whoever they're trying to reach. And, you know, been really fortunate to, to have done that with some amazing people who have become my friends. I think any time that you can work with people and that they then become your friends is is pretty special. And I look back at, you know, over my career and at every stop I've made, I really come away with, you know, some great friendships. Um, and that's something, you know, as great, the, as great you can achieve for the company, you know, personally rewarding is to, to do it with some, some great people and have those relationships go beyond the actual job and work itself. Ross, how about you? What would be your fondest uh, memory? Yeah, I would say in the professional sense, you know, it just being able to to kind of be a small part of a company's larger mission. You know, like I think back to when I was, you know, when I was working in pharmaceuticals, right? Being able to, you know, work on the financials so that the company is in a better position to do well, to, you know, think about kind of the cycle of business, right? company does well, they have more money to reinvest in research so that they can get more medicines out there to help their patients, right? And it's like, you know, you're working towards that mission, which I think is is admirable, you know, or the work that I'm doing now where, again, the company is putting out, uh, you know, medical devices to help, again, helping patients. And so it's kind of like, you know, to build on what Jared said, it's just being, you know, having a relationship with people and being part, you know, one person, part of thousands of people at a company to help uh, to help build, you know, be part of, of a successful, yeah, something on my word, being one person, you know, of thousands on a company to be part of that successful mission is, you know, is something that we don't really talk about every day, but when you think about it in the grand scheme, it, it really is, uh, you know, something to be proud of. So moving off to a lighter note, I know that was some deeper conversation and reflecting on a lot that you guys accomplished, but in talking about one thing that we have in common root of this conversation, it's Penn State. 
And I know there's the premier sport of football, so I want to get into that conversation. Despite the fact that Penn State killed it this past weekend and took down Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament, just needed to say that because it's always nice to see OSU go down. But talking about football, um, both of you guys, I kind of asked, I recently talked to Tom Hannafin about this, who's also a PSU alum, and he, I had him give his state of football from your perspective, and it's particularly, I think, cool to hear you guys talk about it because you guys experienced a completely different team a completely different era firsthand when you guys were here and actually same with tom so i'm curious what i'll start with you ross what do you think the state of penn state football is right now you could talk on the field product and even off the field product as well if you'd like yeah and by the way thanks for making us feel old by saying that we were in a different oh, era come of football. On. <laughs> um, no but it's true though i mean that's really what it was um you know jared and i like to joke we were at penn state between 2000 and 2004 which, you know, for those uh, that, that know their Penn State, history, Penn State football history very quickly, um, you know, we had three out of four losing seasons. Although we did get to see Larry Johnson run for 2,000 yards in, uh, in 2002. That was fun. But no, current state of the team, I mean, I'm very excited. I, I will admit, you know, between Jared and some of our other buddies from, I don't keep up with all the kind of, you know, recruiting and all that as much as some others do. But I do know that we've got a great re- recruiting class coming in uh, in the coming years. And so I'm very excited for that. Um, I've always really liked James Franklin. Um, I think he does very well when he's got some great coordinators surrounding him. Um, I, you know, I think we, we certainly, the team can be competitive, uh, you know, year in and year out, especially in the tough big 10 and having the strong recruiting class, you know, certainly will help us keep up with the likes of Ohio state and Michigan and Wisconsin and, and all of them. Um, I'm certainly very bullish about the team in the coming years. Uh, I, I think, you know, as long as everyone lives up to the, the team lives up to their expectations, uh, I'm certainly very excited for it. Jared, how about you? What would you say the state of uh, Penn State football is? Are you as optimistic as Ross? I am optimistic, equally optimistic. I think um, the state of football, I'll take a little bit of different angle, and it's not only Penn State football, but the whole thing with name, image, and likeness, uh, NIL. And I think that's just going to be very interesting in terms of athletes making money right which is completely different than a number of years ago certainly when ross and i were there um and it's going to be interesting to see right who kind of comes out on top because now students are not only making decisions based on the football program and the academics and you know the the pathway but where they feel that they're going to be able to make the most amount of money potentially and that, you know, changes the dynamics of people's decisions now. And it's going to be very interesting to see how does Penn State support those student athletes, not only in football, but across all, you know, all of Penn State sports. So I'm kind of curious, right? Um, luckily, we have a very, I would say, strong and quite wealthy alumni group. Um, out there. So I'm hopeful that Penn State can continue to compete and even, you know, rise up in the rankings. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, how different universities handle NIL and and better support, uh, you know, collegiate athletes. As someone who worked with, uh, especially with farmers and with your relations there and having experience with working with firsthand, actually, and with some marketing stuff, how do you think 
from an, a company perspective, you would kind of handle it if you were working with college athletes? Because obviously, I definitely think there's some athletes who see the number and a check and go, oh, oh, let's go. So I'm kind of curious how you would handle the relations with a college athlete because it's something you have familiarity with, with working pro, with pro athletes and pro sports. Yeah, I, I think, you know, with any type of relationship, it's really coming down to a partnership, right? Uh, mutual understanding, understanding what the athlete wants to accomplish, understanding what's important to the athlete, making sure it's a it's a very authentic relationship that the athlete is not just promoting the product because of a paycheck, but they truly kind of believe in the product and hopefully that product uh, or service is helping them as well. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's really important to have, you know, very upfront conversations and get to know, you know, the athlete, because at the end of the day, they're more than an athlete. They're actually a person. But I think it's a great opportunity now for, for brands. Um, I question kind of the, the governance behind it, maybe. But um, I think it's a great opportunity for, for brands to connect directly with student athletes and, um, you know, drive, drive some mutually beneficial value there. Uh, and we'll we'll see how we'll see how it turns out. Um, but I've always been a believer, you know, the non-athlete can go out and market him or herself. Right. You are a perfect example. Right. You've got you, you're a content creator. You're doing great work with the, the podcast, but you're also going out and, you know, bringing in sponsors and partners to that to your podcast. And I think that's great. I think it's the right approach. And I think student athletes should, should have that opportunity as well. I just think, you know, there probably needs to be some level of governance there to not only protect the brand, but also make sure that the, the student athlete is being protected. And uh, also thinking about, you know, making sure this is a great learning opportunity for student athletes as well, right? If you get a check for $5,000, that isn't $5,000 in, in your bank account, right? Or maybe it's in your bank account immediately, but you're going to have to pay taxes on that, right? How do you, you know, now manage your time as well beyond just classroom and, and college sports and being on the field? You've got to now manage a, a brand and a business obligation as well. So I think there's a lot of great opportunity there, but there's also some dangers or pitfalls and I hope hopefully colleges are, are putting in the necessary um, guardrails and education so that you know everyone is successful and happy in speaking on the financial side of things this is kind of where I think Ross, you could give a good perspective on this. And you mentioned, you know, being a finance major. So I, this is not a piece of I do have a question kind of hinting at here, but this isn't a piece of advice necessarily for me. But if there was an athlete listening to this, or honestly, what would you say to a college athlete to kind of, I guess, calm down the fact that the reality is that you're getting a big check and it's a new responsibility for a lot of these athletes to handle and having that lucrative nature of what something they've done their entire lives. So from a financial perspective, I guess, what would be your advice and your advisement to a college athlete who just inked the big NIL deal? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the scary part. I mean, you used to read all these stories or see these things on television about athletes, like young athletes that are, you know, in their 20s that get these huge contracts in professional sports and then they go and just don't know how to manage their own money. Now it's even scarier because you've got, you know, essentially 
kids, right? I mean, college kids as young as 18 that are getting into money that they've never really seen before. I mean, I would say, you know, and this is advice, not necessarily even to athletes, but to anybody, just, you know, if you come into any kind of money and I'm not, by the way, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just telling you from my own personal, you know, opinion, just, you know, be smart, right? Get the right people around you, right? If you're, if you're a college kid and you, whether you're relying on your parents or, you know, if you're the point where you, maybe your parents can, can get a financial advisor, make sure you're being smart about what you're doing. Honestly, sock away all the money. What do you need it for right now? You know, I mean, if you're get, coming into the money, if you're a Penn State football player, you've got an NIL deal and you're coming into all this extra money, put it away for the future, right? I mean, I see there's no reason not to. And, you know, because that's money that you can have later on to buy a house, put it in investments, be smart about it. Um, you know, I don't think that's money that you need to go. I mean, sure, if you want to go buy yourself, uh, you know, something nice, that's fine, but you don't need to blow all the money. That's just my personal opinion. I mean, I think that goes for somebody that's 18, 20, 24, whatever. I mean, any of these younger athletes, just surround yourself with smart people that are going to give you the right advice so that you're structuring your wealth in, in the right way. Well, I think that goes back, Ross, right? Like, there should be a class for everyone well, of course. at Penn yeah. State yes. yeah, about personal finance, right? And oh, my God. We spend yeah, all the time it. with these gen eds, and you can yeah, take all yeah. these kind of obscure classes, which is nice. Yeah, But at the end of the day, there should be, just like there's an English class you have to take, there's a public yep. speaking class you have to take. Right. Where's that personal finance class that yep. talks about investments, that talks about the stock market, that talks yep. about taxes, yep. you know, and, and that should be mandatory across the board. Yep. I also think there should be another class out there that is, you know, navigating the corporate dynamics, politics, you know, because that's something else that you, you know, you don't learn until you're in that environment that, hey, you could have the greatest ideas, but, you know, how do you sell them into a, a corporation that you work for, right? Or or just kind of navigate the different personalities, right? And, uh, you know, you learn that early on, I think, that you're like, wow, this is a lot different than being in a classroom and just coming up with some good ideas. To your first point, though, you're right. Find me a 22-year-old that knows, how, let's say they graduated from Penn State, they landed their first job. Tell You find me a Penn Stater at that age that knows how, what, you know, that can, uh, I guess, you know, that's the word I'm looking for, uh, you know, that can successfully navigate health benefits, 401k, how to do their tax return, right? I mean, all these things, right? Maybe a few years later, uh, a mortgage, right? How do mortgages work? I mean, look, I, I was a finance major. It's still, I'm like, explain this to me. What is, you know? I didn't know what I was doing. I called my parents. I'm like, how do I, what do I sign up for for health benefits? Tell me what to do. I mean, you're right. I mean, that's, there's certainly a, I don't know, Dylan, do they like, is it any different now? Like for seniors, like are they, you know, even just a, not even a class, but like, are there things out there that they can, uh, that they can, you know, attend to even learn about this stuff? I'm sure there's like lectures and certain like, I guess outside of the classroom and things you could pursue to kind of get an education on it. But I know personally right. from my experience, I learned more. Um, a benefit of actually my high school is we were a part of the NAF. Um, I don't know if either of you guys know what NAF is, but it's the like, National Academy of Finance and they had a chapter in my high school. So we had specific classes and you could get certified through NAF to yeah. learn about, I, I'm tax certified to do people's taxes, but uh, learn about certain concepts that I still don't know as much about as I feel like I should 
to be a ready adult. But that kind of education, I think, is something that I agree with you guys is not something that's necessarily offered fully here. Um, and if it is, I'll eat my words because I haven't been found out about that and i don't think many people who aren't and necessarily finance majors have been educated on that so i think it uh i agree with you guys i think it'd be a very very big thing to have here and really yeah. have at any university sure life management right life management life management would be a fantastic class but yeah in speaking on life management, <laughs> in speaking on life management the kind of it's it's not a selfish question, but it could be, I guess, in a way. But if you could look back to yourself when you guys were freshmen, when you guys were in McKean Hall and in this position at my age, what would you tell yourself? What would you do differently? What's a piece of advice you'd give? So I say it's selfish because I may take some of this advice, but it also could be beneficial to anybody listening. But really just curious what you guys would say if you were back in my shoes. I'd say... Find your passion. Um, that's you know that's key, and it took me a little bit of a of a journey. I think um, you know when I came to Penn State, I don't know if I really had a clear understanding of what my passion is. And thanks to a little bit of an experiment and kind of going on this journey, I felt like I left Penn State um, with a, a clear understanding of what I'm really passionate about and what makes me happy and what make, what makes me excited to wake up every day and, and go to work and roll up my sleeves. Um, and that's the great thing about Penn State, right, is that there's so many majors, so many classes that, you know, you can, you can go on a little bit of that journey. Um, I think everyone, well, not everyone, but I think a lot of people are, hey, I want to be this, and they have that locked in their head and they think that they need to stay on that path. And maybe they really do enjoy it, but maybe they don't. And I think it's okay to change your mind. Um, you know, everyone wants their career or their path to be kind of a, a straight line all the way up. And the truth is, you know, you learn along the way that, you know, there's zigzags and curves. And sometimes you drop down a little bit and then you have to go back to get back up. And, you know, that's okay. It, it truly is a, a journey and it's not a, a straight and narrow path. Um, and that's something, you know, I wish I also knew back then. And I think uh, for me, it's, uh, it continues to be a learning experience and continues to be a journey. And uh, I'm excited about that. How about you, Ross? Uh, well, Jared, I think my, my answer probably overlapped with about half of yours. But um, I, I would say explore. Right. I mean, there's so many things to get involved with, like almost like a don't say no type of thing. Like if something you find out about an opportunity at Penn State, something to get involved with, like just do it. Right. I mean, I, you know, I wish I got involved in a few more things uh, during my time, uh, you know, maybe was a little bit less, you know, constantly worried about that next test or that next, you know, paper or whatever it was, um, you know, and just enjoy yourself. Right. I mean, you've got four years uh at, at, at in university park and you know or whatever you know whatever campus you're on and just enjoy it right have fun it's just a, it's just such a unique time of your life um that right to jared's point that you know you want to be able to have good footing when you when you leave school but you don't necessarily like the first job or wherever you go after that doesn't need to be your ultimate career path Right. I mean, you can set out, get some good experience no matter where you go 
and you'll be on your way. Gain experience, you know, later on, you, you can always think about it. You can always gain experience to get a different job. You can always, you know, go back to school to do for something else, right? Or maybe you know somebody that'll give you a chance, even though you don't have this, the right experience. Like that, like you said, there's zigs and zags. But I would say while you're at Penn State, just enjoy it, have fun, find what's interesting to you, and just take advantage of everything the university has to offer. That's fantastic advice that I'm definitely going to compartmentalize and hopefully somebody listening uh, takes some value from that as well. And as we kind of get down to the end of it here, I have two questions that I ask every guest that comes on this podcast. So I'll start with the uh, first one that's been a tradition actually since the very first episode. And my question, and I'll start with you, Ross, is when it's all said and done, what do you want your legacy to have been? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I want my legacy... I got to think about this so I can give something good. Um, you know, just that, that, that I've, you know, been a good person and done good things and, you know, and, and been somebody that, uh, you know, people can rely on, right? I mean, I just like to be the voice of reason. I like to, you know, pride myself on having a good head on my shoulders and being a good, you know, family member of my family and being a good friend to my friends and, you know, ultimately, you know, all the job stuff, I mean, yeah, you know, it's, 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 I'm very proud of what I've done professionally, but ultimately, you know, for me, it's, you know, that's all going to end up as the, you know, writing on a resume. So, you know, I take that very seriously, but at the same time, you know, the people around me, right, friends and family are those that, that are most important. And uh, I think my legacy, you know, should be one where I've, I've made my, my friends and family proud. And Jared, how about you? I know you dropped legacy in there a couple times, and I, I got the plug coming at the end because I want to ask you guys about <laughs> that. But uh, Jared, how about you? Yeah, I think it's somewhat similar to Ross, um, and probably no surprise why why we're such great friends as well. Is like you just want to help people, right? I think, and especially more and more throughout the career as the career's gone on, I've taken a lot more pride in terms of like helping people um, in their lives and maybe even in their professional lives. And I feel like earlier on in your career, you're very focused on, you know, yourself and just becoming more and more acclimated and learning and moving up. But, you know, I, I've gotten a lot of pride in terms of helping those around me uh, achieve personal levels of success and kind of reaching new limits as well. And uh, that is, extremely rewarding even more rewarding than some other things so uh yeah that would be my answer very good answers and now it was kind of a two-part question in this sense that it does kind of tie into what you two are doing and how you guys have kind of continued to stay in touch last year and how I got the opportunity to find you guys. And that's the Lion Legacy podcast that you guys have been doing. Fantastic podcast, as I mentioned at the start of this, that if you haven't listened to, go listen to it. Whether or not you're even a Penn Stater, I think it's a fantastic show to listen to, listen to people tell their stories. So I, I kind of heard about the origin of this and you guys kind of touched on that a little bit about the pandemic. But could you kind of talk about what the experience has been like doing Lion Legacy and then what's been one of the most fruitful parts of doing it you want to say first charity you want me to go you go you go <laughs> okay yeah i mean i guess you know the so the, and i don't did we dylan did we get into the background of it or do you want me to rehash kind of how the whole thing came about you can rehash that yeah i think uh at some point the pandemic and the start of that got mentioned but i think uh it's a really cool story that everyone okay should. all right i'll jump into that so yeah so just to give it the background so jared 
Jared texted me at some point, I think it was like maybe sometime after Thanksgiving 2020. And he was just like, hey, I have this idea for a podcast. And, you know, would you, where we interview Penn Staters, there's nothing out there like it. Um, you know, I mean, obviously there's articles and there's the Penn Stater magazine from the Alumni Association. But what do you think about a podcast where we talk to Penn Staters about their, their stories and their professional stories and personal stories? And would you want to do that with me? And I was like, ah, I don't have time, you know, work, family, the kids, you know, all that. And he was just like, come on, do it. And I was like, all right, yeah, let's do it. So, you know, we got into it and it's been a great experience. I mean, um, you know, just the, the chance to speak with Penn Staters um, the, of all different and kind of our, our mission is to try to be as broad as possible. You know, we want to try to we want. You know, we want uh, we want men and women. We want all different industries. We want all different backgrounds. We want people that graduated recently, people that graduated decades ago, people that are doing all different kinds. Of, like it, we just want to be as broad as possible. I think that's part of the draw is just all the different stories that people have to tell, and, and like their common theme, like we all have here, is Penn State. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a, been a really exciting experience to, to to hear what those journeys have been, what the university has meant to them the messages that they can give to other alumni or just people in general, as well as students. You know, I think student listeners could have could take a lot from it. There's a lot of good nuggets in there, just kind of like we're talking about here from, you know, rehashing our experience. And, um, you know, it's been nice to work with Jared and, 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 and listen to all those stories and be able to share them with um, everybody that, that checks out Lion Legacy. Yeah, I would just add, I mean, two words come to mind, um, humbling and, and pride. And, you know, we, we continuously are amazed um, by just what people have not only accomplished, but who they are. Um, I feel like every episode, it's just Ross and I are, are in awe of, of some of, of, of our you know, our alums and the people that they are, and they all have, you know, one thing in common. They may come from, you know, different backgrounds, different majors, different years, and beyond just the Penn State, I think, you know, Penn State connection, they are um, very focused on leaving an impact and leaving the world in a, in a better place. And yeah, there's, there's just so many people out there. I mean, if you asked, hey, who's been the, you know, your favorite person, uh, literally it would be so hard to, to put a name out there because we're just in awe, I think, on a week-by-week basis. And, um, you know, the idea was, oh, this would be cool, this would be fun. Uh, we've learned a lot from, from a lot of Penn Staters out there, and uh, we're certainly appreciative of the time that they take out of their lives to talk with us and, and the message that they share as well. And, you know, also want to make sure we give you a shout out, you know, what you're doing um, and what you've done is beyond impressive. Um, when you think about it, you know, you're, you're a freshman, um, you know, the, the future is, is beyond bright for you. And I was just amazed, you know, having the chance to listen to your podcast you know, it's it's clear the preparation um, that you put into it, you know, the hard work um, and the focus. And that's not easy. That's not easy for anyone. Um, but certainly you started this when you were, when you were in high school. Um, so kudos to you and, you know, continue to look forward to listening to your podcast. 
thank you guys very, very much. And it's a privilege to talk to you guys. So there's one more box I have to check before this is all done. One more question I got to ask, and that's a much lighter one. I know this has been a pretty deep, heavy conversation, but the question is, if you could be any kind of boat, what boat would you be and why? And whoever wants to start this one could. Yes, a boat. <laughs> a boat? Yes. I've never, I've never heard that one before. <laughs> Hopefully not the Titanic. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say a cruise ship because they're fun, but like, who wants to be on a cruise ship now? It's like a petri dish, but uh, no, you can cut that part out. Um, a boat. I'd go with I'll go with the sailboat, right? Because sailboat, you have to adapt to the conditions uh, and the wind, and your journey can can go in a lot of different ways. Um, hopefully, I'm talking about the right boat. I'm not much of a boat guy, but. Uh, you know, I would say that w- that would be quite fun because you kind of go with the way the the wind goes, I guess, and um, that's uh, that's that's one of my answers, I guess. I'm gonna go with a yacht. All right. I think you know, but like a modest yacht, a nothing modest that's yacht. like overly showy, but you know, something where like if you saw it, you'd be like, oh, that's really nice. Like you know, it's well built, well structured. It's like classy you know um and something that you would want to you know like spend an afternoon oh we were on this nice yacht i don't know i just like something that i don't know so not the jeff bezos yacht Ross? no no not the jeff bezos yacht but just like you know something that's uh, modest i don't know you're gonna have a helicopter pad on yours or no no it's too showy man no it's too showy okay well you can come on my sailboat (laughs) <laughs> got to bring it. Yeah, all right. We'll have your sailboat next to my yacht. <laughs> well, very, very good answers. That good was... question, Dylan. That's, a, that's an interesting one. <laughs> Thank you. That, that was probably one of the funniest breakdowns and, and most insightful breakdowns of it that I've ever heard. So thank you guys both. Where did you come up with that question, by the way? Yeah. I don't know how it genuinely started. It kind of started, I think, of just me finding that question. I think someone might have asked me that in class in high school or something. And I asked a, at that point, I had some NFL prospects coming on. I think it was Alex Highsmith. He's now a defensive end for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I got a little, uh, a little gutsy. And in an interview that was actually arranged by his agent, I had the nerve to ask him that question. And he laughed and gave me a fantastic answer. So if it worked on Alex Highsmith, who's now killing it in the NFL, to me, it was a sign that it could work on just about anybody so i uh, i also think it's on a deeper level it kind of shows you what people kind of think about themselves and how they view themselves because you're asking how they see their lives or how they see themselves in i i hear people say yacht i hear people say sailboat i've heard people say pontoon because they just want to have a good time and then i heard someone i think i heard a, i got a canoe once i got a canoe was an interesting one but uh it is a question that i've done and honestly on par with the legacy question probably one of my favorite ones that i've done so I've enjoyed it. I think you were going to have us debate that wheels and doors thing. Have you heard about this? Yes, I did. What's your take on this before we close out here? I don't know. It's kind of like we once, Jared, do you remember this? We, years ago, we, um, with about our buddy Eric, we had this debate. It's kind of like the wheels and doors debate. We had a, was, is there more leaves in the world? Like, like leaves, like from a tree? Mm-hmm. More leaves or are there more gallons of, of water in the ocean? gallons of water in the ocean there you go that would yeah, leaves, think, work. But, yeah but think about think about all of the trees all over the world think about pine needles those are considered leaves think about all the forests you all the plants i mean you know you could either way but that then the ocean's pretty big and pretty deep the ocean's i don't know got a lot of anyway guys. the wheels endorse thing i don't know i kind of go back and forth on that because wheels 
you're like, all right, well, think about all the cars and all the machinery and equipment. But then doors, it's like, okay, houses, yeah. stores. A car. There are doors inside office buildings, you mm-hmm. know, that are stories high. I mean, you could analyze it all. I don't know. I don't know what my answer is. And you can get you more technical, the wheels and the chairs and wheels and, yeah. and different kind of machinery, like you said. Right. But Bicycles. Yes. You know, anything. Right. And then you go doors on a car. So you're already kind of right. evened out the four and four balance there. So oh, That's right. Oh, yeah. man. All right. Jared, you got a take on this? I don't, I don't know who comes up with these, <laughs> these questions, quite honestly. And then how they, they just catch catch on fire. I, I can't think like that. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you both coming on. It's been an absolute privilege to talk to you guys. Could you tell the people where they could find Line Legacy and also keep up with you guys in general? Go ahead, Jared. You plug it. <laughs> yeah, you can uh, certainly listen to Lion Legacy by going to lionlegacypodcast.com as well as we're on uh, Apple, Amazon, Spotify. Just search Lion Legacy Podcast and you'll see that nice lion's paw there. And uh, give us a listen, and hopefully uh, we'll entertain you. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the fantastic duo that hosts the Lion Legacy podcast as well as Kills Life in general. Thanks again, Jared and Ross. My thanks again to Ross and Jared for taking the time to come on. Absolutely love sitting down and talking to them. And go tune in to all the cool stuff they're doing with Lion Legacy. And, yeah, I mean, take a lot of their advice into account. If you're a student, they really give some great advice about really just – life and it was a really awesome conversation with them and hope to speak to them again on the show in the near future really great time talking to them i'm sure they would be able to tell even more stories we almost went well over the hour mark with those two gentlemen but if you want to listen to more ambitious episodes tune in on spotify apple Podcasts, stitcher google play wherever you listen to podcasts and you can follow us on instagram at ambitious podcasts and twitter at Ambitious with DP. Have a wonderful week, Ambitious listeners, and see you guys soon.